The Heather McCoy Show. Yes, it is the Heather McCoy Show, and uh, welcome to it. And uh, we're doing it, we're in the middle of our fun drive, so please give us a call at 949-824-5824. Midway through the show, a regular guest, uh, Neil DeMoss, will stay on the line for a report from uh, Hurricane Sandy. Then rounding out the hour, we'll have Robert Larson joining us from the other side of Cleveland National Forest, plus some other morning news. But first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger behind fieldofschemes.com, Neil DeMoss. And welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning. Yeah, it's been a hectic morning. Uh, just briefly, because we are in the middle of Pledge Drive, I would just like to uh, touch on the difference between commercial media and what KUCI offers as an independent media. Um, Neil, can you tell our listeners about your awesomely edited segment on King 5 TV in Seattle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can completely blame that on being corporate media. You know, part of it is that uh, when we're talking here on the radio, we have actual time to discuss things. And That's I was, true. I was interviewed for Seattle TV, and, um, it, you know, it, it's it's TV news, and I got some points across, none in complete sentences. But um, <laughs> I'm, I have to say I'm very glad to be able to do shows like this as as opposed to, I mean, you know, again, even even when I'm on like a sort of na- a national radio show, it's usually okay. Quick, tell us about stadiums. One sentence. Okay, thanks for being on. So. Yeah, yeah. So nine four nine eight two four five eight two four. If you want to help support long form media, where we get the whole story across. I also like the where you got close ups of your your hands holding your teacup. That was pretty awesome too. Yeah, well, when, once uh, once we've got the uh, web simulcast, video simulcast of this show, then you can have lots of uh, Skype images of me drinking tea as well. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to. Um, in one of the more disappointing news stories uh, in a while, Playfair at Farmers Field Coalition has agreed to stop its environmental suit uh, in exchange for $15 million in donations to low-income housing uh, to a trust fund. What makes this disappointing to me is now pro stadium advocates have a story to point to when to call civic groups when they oppose stadium deals as extortion artists. So am I reading this wrong? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a big problem with this whole field of like community benefits agreements, right? Which sort of got a promising start when they were building, I think, not the Staples Center, but some of the stuff around the Staples Center. Um, in LA, and um, you know that was sort of the first big push to say, okay, we want to make sure that something gets done for the community um, in exchange. You know, if we're going to approve these these kind of projects, and the problem is, I think that they've sort of it's sort of turned into this thing that developers think of as, okay, we've got to pay off the local groups. You know, what's the price? Yeah. Um, and instead of being a way of of uh, gaining sort of community inclusion, it becomes. Um, you know, as as has happened in uh, in Brooklyn with the Nets Arena, let's find see how many local groups we can find to offer something to to sort of get them to buy in, and then we can say, see, okay, great, we've got uh, we've got people on our side. You know, we've um, so you know, I mean, there was a there was a principle at stake, you would think, which was yeah. that uh, the farmers field wasn't supposed to be able to buy its way, you know, to to get a legislative uh, you know end run around um, the normal environmental impact, uh, you know. Uh, court process, challenge process. Um, but I guess uh, they figured, well, at least we're getting something for it. It's housing money and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it wouldn't have been my choice, but, you know, uh, again, it's it's a problem with the process. How hard will it be to, in the future to build coalitions if you're just able to just sell out at the moment swim? Yeah, I mean, and that's a huge problem is, you know, you're, you want to build coalitions, but the the developer doesn't have to 
um, meet all of your needs, right? They just have to find enough people that they can sort of carve out and say, okay, you know, here, you're a prominent opponent. What do you need? Um, and it's the same sort of thing that we've seen with the, with the, you know, in these stadium campaigns is that when there's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, throwing even $15 million at somebody is, you know, fairly cheap compared to the amount of public money that you're going to gain from it. So it's, it's difficult, you know. This this is the problem of of uh, of stadiums and arena deals all over. Is the money is just so huge that uh, you know teams and stadium builders are not going to stop at anything because uh, you know the reward is so great. Yeah, although I love Tim Iwicky's enthusiasm enthusiasm now that the lawsuit is dropped, he says that we can literally push dirt tomorrow. Uh, the only problem with that is the NFL won't approve the plan, and AEG is for sale. Um, is this $15 million? I mean, do they get that right away? Because this doesn't look like it's going to happen to start with. Yeah, no, I think that's something that happens if the, if the project goes forward, and the project may or may not go forward. I mean, you know, the, the, I've been saying all along the big holdup is that it's a very expensive project, even with the, the public subsidy for, uh, you know, relocating the, the convention center. Um, and the, the, their plan for paying for it involves an awful lot of money from the NFL and or whatever team or teams move in there and that's just not that alluring and the NFL has said it's not that alluring and you know now you've got people talking about sites um, in you know by Dodger Stadium and I think it was like one by Carson and there's all over the place there's people talking about where to build NFL stadiums so it all may or may not happen um, which uh, you know again is a, is, a, is a mixed blessing depending on whether you're whether you're uh, more upset about the subsidy or more hoping for that $15 million. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then other NFL news, Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank tried to run around the democratic process to fund his new football stadium by getting the bonds floated by the Georgia State World Commerce Center Authority, but they will have an issuing limit of $200 million. According to Forbes, the Falcons are required to play there until uh, the remaining $100 million of its outstanding construction bonds are paid off, which would be, occur in 2018. Is this common with most stadium deals? And if uh, not, why don't they require teams to play at the stadium until the bonds are paid off plus 20 years or something like that? They certainly could require that. And, you know, again, we're back to the question of why don't cities realize that they have some leverage, you know? If you're offering all these hundreds of millions of dollars, you should actually demand something of teams. Yeah. But all too often, um, you know, the, the leases are not written in such a way that they really require all that much. And even when they do, like you're seeing with Atlanta, oftentimes the city or the state will just say, oh, okay, you know, you've got to play here, but, you know, you want a new stadium, so let's just tear up that old, that old clause and, uh, and forget about it. Um, I actually saw it's, it, there was a, a piece in one of the Atlanta outlets uh, yesterday um, that I haven't had a chance to write up for my website yet that was sort of running down the, the, uh, you know, the details of the, uh, of the proposed Falcons deal. And one of the things that struck me was that it talked about what a good deal, how you know, there was a significant amount of public money, but it was a better deal than most because it was only you know, $300 million out of a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, and then said, and that's, and that's, you know, that's all that the money, the only money that's going in there. And then it said the reason the Falcons want it is because, unlike in the old stadium where they have to share, you know, ad revenues and other things with the state, in the new stadium, they would get to keep all that themselves. Oh, wow. And it's like, oh, so that's not a subsidy? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Um, and again, this is why, you know, Judith Grant Long, the researcher, says that 40% of... Uh, 
you know, the, the, the stated, the actual cost of stadiums are 40% higher than, than, the, uh, than the stated cost because there's just so much hidden stuff, like, you know, weird little lease breaks that say, okay, now you're going to, you know, keep all this money that otherwise you would have had to share with the state. Yeah, that actually reminds me, if I have this, if my memory serves me correct, it's been a while since I read your book, but it, that reminds me of the Broncos where Pat Bowen, their owner, uh, got in some financial trouble and then sold off the, the old um, luxury boxes so he didn't own them anymore. And so when Mile High Stadium got torn down for Invesco Field, he now has luxury boxes again. Right, yep. Um, yeah, it's a great way to wipe the slate clean and sort of, uh, and sort of you know, whether it's luxury boxes or leases or anything, you know, sort of start afresh. But, again, the, the coverage is generally so awful that it's just about, you know, how much money is being spent on construction and the fact that um, you're completely changing. I mean, this is a huge issue with the, with the uh, Twins and Vikings stadiums, you know. They wanted new stadiums, and they got them and plenty of public money for them. But one of the big issues was that they wanted out of their old leases because they actually had to share revenues with the state. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that wasn't something that was discussed in most of the coverage. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the efforts to get the Falcons a new stadium seems to be in full swing at, uh, in a uh, NFL commissioner. Uh, Roger Goodell was in Atlanta as part of his double hitter last weekend. He basically said the Falcons new, new stadium to, that will produce more revenue. Uh, with most Georgia residents against it, uh, do you have a sense about what the representatives and government feel about it? Uh, you never know. I mean, the problem is the lobbying is so heavy on this stuff. And, you know, again, let's look at Minnesota where there was you know, both huge po- popular opposition and then huge opposition in the state legislature. And then Goodell flew in, and then, you know, just everybody sort of turned up the heat and said, you know, this is the, this is the only chance to get this done. Um, and it, it's very, very difficult for legislators to uh, to resist that kind of pressure. Um, again, maybe we should say that it should be easier when you've got, you know, most of the public behind you. Um, but, you know, these are people with power. These are people with money. These are people who, you know, control, uh, you know, major sports franchises, and it's, you know, as one Minnesota state senator said to me when I asked him what happened between the deal, um, I said, you know, I really thought that the legislature, it looked like they were going to oppose this. And he said, they just wore us down. You know, the lobbyists said, we're never going to go away until you deal with this issue. <laughs> oh, and God. And everybody threw up their hands and said, okay, fine, whatever. They can't get a restraining order? <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> uh, that's that would be my response, but that that's just me. Um, in the in the Toronto suburb of Markham, the arena deal that looked just about finished has come completely apart. Two city council members are now demanding a financial probe of developer. I'm pr- believe I'm pronouncing his name right, Garmi Roston. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, what are the factors and why this is all starting to come apart? You know, it, it was this weird sort of cobbled together plan that was going to pay for a new arena. Like, the the city would front the money, and then part of it would be paid back by the the developer, and part of it would be paid back by new um, fees on other developments in the area. And it all sounded pretty dodgy from the beginning, but it sort of sailed through an initial vote. And then it turned out that those developer fees might not actually be enforceable. So they might not be able to collect the money. And they started doing some economic studies where economists said, you're absolutely nuts to build an arena with no tenant in it um, because you're, you, know, you may not get a tenant or you may have to offer a sweetheart deal to a tenant and you're never going to get the money coming in. Um, so 
over the past few months, it's gradually looked like a worse and worse deal. And I guess it's enough that the city council and even the deputy mayor, the mayor is still in favor of it, but the deputy mayor who had been behind the deal came out last week and said, I don't think we should do this. Yeah. So, you know, not exactly clear what's going to happen at this point, but it certainly looks a lot less likely than it did a few months ago. Yeah. Is another aspect of the deal falling apart? Because to get a major tenant, the Maple Leafs and the Raptors, their NBA and NHL, what they would have to give their okay to give up the territorial rights and we could end up with a staring contest? Yeah, I mean, and that was always a problem. And, you know, there's certainly a lot of conspiracy theories going around that the Maple Leafs have started to chime in and say, you know, we don't want this thing to happen, and, you know, we're, we're the big dogs in town. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, again, that was a problem all at the beginning as well, and nobody seemed to think that it should stop. Yeah. But now suddenly people are realizing, oh, wait, we're not actually going to get a hockey team probably, um, you know, for the same reason that uh, – that uh, Anaheim isn't going to get a basketball team. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is even if they could lure somebody, and then, you know, like when you build, like the Dodgers, for example, they played in the Coliseum until Dodger Stadium could be built. I don't think a team in Markham would have a place to play in the interim until that place got built. Um, yeah, well, that's what they're talking about, building it first and then getting a team. And then yeah. you're having the same problem then you that, don't have you know, leverage. Kansas City has right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Where you're, you know, sort of desperate to find. I mean, yeah, right, absolutely. The way to do it would be something like Seattle's plan, whereas we'll, you know, not going to build anything until we get the team, and then we're going to, uh, you know, then we'll start building. But there they have key arena you can play in. And I wouldn't want to be the person to have to go to the Maple Leafs and ask to play in their rink for no, a couple no. of years before moving into Markham. <laughs> no, that would be a bad thing. Um, so this is our first segment with Neil DeMoss. He's a blogger if you find fillthischemes.com. It's a very awesome website. You should check that out. And he'll be back in the next segment where he's actually a Brooklyn resident, if you didn't know that, and he's been reporting on uh, the Hurricane Sandy. This is the Heather McCoy Show.